0: Well, in the 18th century, cities like London and New York seemed to be drowning in horse manure. Aren't you glad you came to church? In London, as the main mode of transportation, 50,000 horses produce one and a quarter million pounds of horse manure and 15,000 gallons of urine daily. Together with the corpses of dead horses, the urine and the manure started to poison the city's inhabitants. And in 1894, the Times predicted that in 50 years, every street in London would be buried under nine feet of manure. New York City was even worse. There were vacant lots at the turn of the century with manure piled 60 feet high. It was forecasted that New York City would be up to its third-story windows in manure by 1930. The situation became known as the Great Manure Crisis of 1894. Despite fierce debates among urban planners and various studies into the matter, there was no solution found. That all changed, however, when Carl Benz, Gottlieb Daimler, and others like Ford introduced the motorized vehicle on a massive scale. By 1912, the crisis had been averted and things have turned to a motorized form of transportation. Well, welcome to Timberline Church missions focus weekend where we aim to tell you historical stories that are full of trivial facts you can impress your friends with. What in the world does that story have to do with missions? Well, hold on, and we'll get there in a little bit. For now, let me just say this. We have a great saying on the field that missionaries, they're like manure. You pile them all together, and they kind of stink. But you spread them out, and they become very, very effective. But that's still not the reason for the story. So right now, let's take that story, put it on a shelf, and we'll come back to it in a little bit what i do want to do is this i want to spend a few minutes unpacking what the church has come to know as the great commission we sang about it just a little bit ago but here's here's where we're at in the in the historical uh, historical account after jesus's resurrection he appears to a number of individuals and he appears to some groups And then right before he ascends to heaven, he gives these words to his followers. Matthew records them this way. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end. End of the age. So what we as the church have come to know as the Great Commission is really simply Jesus' final, in-person, on-earth charge to those who were following him. At best, at that time, there were a few hundred of those followers. Among them, fishermen, doctors, textile workers, tax collectors, and he's asking these few hundred people to ignite a movement that is to spread to all nations. A tall task. This whole concept of ignite, um, when we started talking about that, it reminded me of a great story um, that I experienced as a kid. So when I was about 12 years old, I was a total immature little snot-nosed kid. I, I, probably was very immature from my age, but who knows, right? I I lived in just north of Montreal. So Montreal's an island. Uh, there's an island just north of Montreal called Laval. That's where I lived. And uh, little-known fact, the province of Quebec supplies a lot of electrical power to the East Coast. And so by my house, not that far away, there were some huge power lines that went by, and every spring, firemen would set fire to the fields under these power lines as a control burn to make sure the foliage didn't go too high. Well, I'm 12 years old, and I'm fascinated by this. So you guessed it, come home from school one day, and uh, I find a lighter, and I go out to a field. And I find this field where there's a bunch of dead grass, tall dead grass, and, and there's bushes, dry bushes, and all that. And I go, wonder what would happen, right? So I try to light it, and nothing happens at first, but I'm I'm pretty smart, immature 12-year-old, so I fluff up the grass real nice, and then I light it. And all of a sudden, I've got within just, we're talking two minutes, an uncontrollable flame going crazy. And now I'm going crazy trying to stomp this thing out, but it's going faster than I can stomp it out, and I'm stomping like crazy until I look down and my pants are on fire. And now, you know, pans on fire, stop, drop, and roll, did the whole thing. I look down at my leg, and as the fire is starting to burn, and here's the crazy thing, because I'm freaked out because there's a there's a developer that started a development here, and there's there's just plywood and two by fours, and there's tons of wood all over the place. And this is not good. But I'm on fire and I've just burnt myself second and third degree burns. So so I get on my bike and I race home. And one of my parents is there, we start, we head off to the hospital just as I see the firemen going the other direction to stop the fire. And it may have never been known who set that fire. I have no... But here's what I learned. I learned that it only takes a tiny little flame, one tiny little act, to ignite something. The second thing I learned is once it started, the growth is quick and exponential. It doesn't just grow in one controlled direction. It grows, grows big. So when we think of Ignite this weekend, I want you to think of that. The third thing I learned is stop, drop, and roll does work, so just in case you wondered, you don't have to try it out now. So back to this group of 100 followers or so of Jesus that ignited a movement, in reality at the start, they were the only representatives of God's message, and they're tasked to take this message to the entire world, all nations, Jesus says. All nations should find out about Christ, and he gives them that charge. The Great Commission was given in 20 to 30 current era, the the years somewhere in there. If you read, there's different scholars will tell you different things. But what that means is we're almost exactly 2,000 years in now. So the question is, how did they do? And then, because this has now become our charge as followers of Christ, as the descendants of this original ignition, the question is, how have we done? Let's watch this video. cool huh any anybody else felt like me when it's growing you're going yeah go team go team and then the Mongols come and you go oh, god, and then the communists and you know it's just it was this this like emotional thing watching it grow and but let's face it it's gone pretty well a lot of a lot's been done it's pretty impressive there are two things that I want us to focus on as takeaways this weekend Number one is, is this whole concept of the Great Commission, and I want to move quickly through that, and then I'll, I'll hit number two in a minute. In this number one, the Great Commission, I want, to, I want us to look at what is it, why, and how. The what it is, we've already mentioned a little bit. It's, it's the marching orders from the Lord. When he was about to leave, he gives these last words to the, the, the followers around him, and he's saying, okay, I'm leaving now. But here's what you have to do. This is your responsibility. I'm handing this over to you. And really, the church was gathering for that purpose. That's why they came together. That's why they were growing, helping each other, right? It was this commission that was an honor. Jesus saying, I've been doing this. It's your turn. I'm handing this baton. David Livingston, a, a, a missionary in the 1800s, he was a physician turned missionary, and he said it this way. I love what he said. He said, If a commission by an earthly king is considered an honor, how come a, can a commission by a heavenly king be considered a sacrifice? I love that. We have to look at this thing as, as, as Jesus looking at us and saying, Hey, I need an ambassador in this country and you know when people are asked to be ambassadors it's a massive honor and they they're asked to go there and serve and represent the country that's what we're charged to do that's that's the what of the Great Commission why is it important well another one of Jesus's followers John he records it this way Jesus is is said to have said this right in John 14 6 I am the way the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Well, listen, first of all, that's a pretty bold statement, right? It's, it's very bold claim. Secondly, to most other religions, other beliefs, it would be very offensive. But if it is true, and we believe that it is true, that Jesus is the only way, then it's a critical message. It has to get out there. It has to be shared that there is hope, that there is this, this great joy that can be found in Christ, and, and the, it's a great message of grace. Think of the fact that, that what the message is is basically telling you, listen, you have you don't have to earn this. It's not about how much work you can do. All you got to do is accept it. Surrender to this message of grace. It's critical that the world hears that. Now, the how. So it appears that it's expected of all his followers that the spread of the message has to become the single most important thing the church does is clear by Jesus' final instructions. Basically, he's saying, hey, you got to stick together, you got to come together, and, and you've got to work together to share this message. That's why you exist. That's why you're here. That's why I'm leaving you here. I'll come back, but that's your job right now. And if that's true, then we as a church need to flip our thinking a little bit because the reality is this. We are blessed so we can activate. We have miracles so we can demonstrate the truth of this, and we have gifts so we can be effective. The other piece in the how here that's interesting is keep in mind these original instructions were given to non-professional clergy. They were doctors and tax collectors, IRS people, fishermen. Uh, they were. They later expands to tent makers and textile workers. It's given to normal everyday people, not professional clergy. So the the the. Uh, the, the three takeaways there under the Great Commission, what is it? It's Jesus' marching orders to us. It, and why is it important? Because it's the only message that allows people to connect to the Father. And the how is it's through you and I, all of us, engaging, activating, and moving forward with the message. Now, the next question and the next takeaway for this weekend is this. I want to ask the question, We saw the video, we saw the expansion. The question is, what's left? What's left? Let's watch this video.
1: What is a UPG? UPG stands for unreached people group. But to understand what that means, we need to first talk about people groups. When Jesus told his followers, go and make disciples of all nations, the Greek words he used were ta ethne, meaning all ethnic groups or people groups. So what is a people group? A people group is basically a group of individuals that have a common sense of history, language, beliefs, and identity. It is pretty much a group of people that considers us, us, and everyone else, them. While there are about 196 countries in the world today, there are over 16,000 distinct people groups. Let's look at Pakistan as an example. That is one nation going by our English word, but ethnically Pakistan has over 400 distinct nations or people groups within its borders. Around 7,000 of those 16,000 total people groups are considered UPGs or unreached people groups. A group is considered unreached if less than 2% of their population is evangelical Christian. That is, it has too few true believers to evangelize and disciple the rest of the people group. Almost 3 billion people fall into this category. Over 3,000 of those 7,000 unreached people groups are considered UUPGs, or unengaged unreached people groups. These people groups have no churches, no believers, no missionaries, and no one actively focused on engaging them.
0: So we cut the video there a little abruptly for time's sake, but, but wow, that's still a lot of work to do. We've done well, but there's still a lot left to do. And reality is this, we can't maintain the status quo and expect different results. Our systems are perfectly aligned with the results we're getting right now. If we don't like the results, we have to look at our systems, at our approach, because how many of you know that the solution to our problems is rarely more of the same? It's daring to be different daring to dream, daring to be bold. It reminds me of the story in 1 Kings 18, verses 20 to 40. We're not going to read it. I'm going to paraphrase it for us. I encourage you to read it later. But it's the story of Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Elijah, at that time, is said to be the only one of God's prophets standing up and proclaiming that God is God. And the people have started to to chase after and worship this other god named Baal and there are 450 prophets of this god Baal. And Elijah gets tired of this, he gets frustrated and he goes to this this place where there's a gathering and he challenges them and he says, hey, enough of this, let's figure out. If God is God, let's follow God. If Baal is God, let's follow him. So here's what I propose. You guys build an altar, slaughter a bull, put it on the altar. I'll do the same, I'll build an altar, slaughter a bull, put it on my altar, and we don't set fire to it, but we pray to our gods. And the God who answers and sets fire to the to the altar and burns the sacrifice, let that be known that that God is God. And then they go, sure, sounds good. He says, you guys go first. And they spend most of the day just crying out to their God, doing everything they can. They're dancing, they're cutting themselves, they're screaming, they're doing all they can most of the day and nothing happens and finally Elijah says my turn and then he goes let's make this a little more challenging he says why don't we pour some water on my sacrifice and so they drench the sacrifice with water and he says do it again and then do it a third time so now there's water all over it says there's a trench around the altar that's full of water as well and then Elijah prays a simple short prayer and God shows up in a big way. Fire comes down, burns the sacrifice, burns the altar, licks up the water, it's all gone. And the people go nuts, exclaiming, God is God, God is God, and they start to follow him. One bold act, one little act. It was bold, wasn't that big, but it ignited a movement again. It was bold, unusual, impactful, transformative. It wasn't the norm. With that said, now let's grab our story, the manure story, and pull that one off the shelf. That's how the manure problem was solved. It wasn't more of the same. It was bold, transformative thinking. Ever since the Great Manure Crisis of 1894, it served as a metaphor for overcoming insurmountable problems with unexpected solutions. Peter Drucker, the writer of organizational practices he he says this he says the greatest danger in times of turbulence is not the turbulence it's to act with yesterday's logic or another way of putting it is trying to solve today's challenges with yesterday's approaches and strategies if we're going to ignite a fire that will finish the task and reach 7000 unreached people groups we're going to have to think and act differently that's where business as mission comes in, or BAM, as it's commonly known. There's a new clear movement that's finally shattering the myth that only ordained Bible school students or Bible school graduates have talents and have been tasked with the fulfilling of the command of Christ to go into all the world and share the message of truth. I love what my friend Eric Cooper says. He says, there's no com- Great Commission B team where the missionaries are the A-team. If you're a follower of Jesus, the Great Commission belongs to you. It is the Great Commission to the whole church to go to the whole world to preach the whole gospel. Musicians, engineers, entrepreneurs, venture capitalists, mechanics, plumbers, medical personnel, ranchers, farmers, it doesn't matter. Whatever you put that profession in there, that God has gifted his children with and there's a place in the org for that person, that individual can play a part in this work. Some of us go, some of us stay and make sure operations are running smoothly. Some of us go back and forth because that's the most strategic. But all of us are invited. All of us are commissioned to engage. It's an all hands on deck thing. That's why you see on the logo this weekend. Let it continue with me. I have a part to play. I love today that through business's mission, the church has realized that we can go and live among people and operate businesses. Sometimes there is a place to pitch a tent and go with loudspeakers and proclaim that way, but I would argue that though that has become a, the approach that's kind of like normalized for the work of missions, reality is we need to do more than that. We need to do things differently. We need to go live among them, operate businesses, provide services, learn their language, eat at their table, they at ours. We need to live with them, do life together to demonstrate what a life with our friend Jesus is all about. We have got to think differently and act differently. Not to solve the great manure problem this time, but to solve the great commission crisis this time. Something has to be done differently to ignite the fire that'll finish the task. It's already mentioned that we lived in Ukraine for a number of years. And uh, during that time, um, you, don't, you, you know all about the war with Russia right now, but back then, what happened that was all over the news was the revolution. 2013, 2014, the, there, there was this months-long revolution that happened in the streets of Kyiv. It was a stone's throw away, actually, from our apartment where we lived. And uh, what happened was Ukraine, although it wasn't part of the Soviet Union anymore, for for ever since the breakup of the Soviet Union, had still been ruled by corrupt puppet governments from Russia. And the people were just tired of it. They were done with it. And so they took to the streets. They started demonstrating. And it grew and grew, and it went on for a long time. And the president at the time, Yanukovych, tried to tried to dispel the thing. And and so as as this thing escalated, it got very messy and very bloody. And so the nights of of uh, February ni- 18, 19, uh, uh, in 2014, the the president finally was exasperated by the whole thing, and he sent snipers up on the roof of the tallest buildings there in the city, and they were just picking off people in the crowd at random. They thought that would disperse everybody, create fear, make everybody run. What it did instead is it brought tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of people more. They flooded all of the streets in the whole region there, and he realized he was in trouble. So Yanukovych that night, February 20th, invited the three opposition leaders to come and draft a proposed compromise with him. They spent the entire night writing this compromise, and then the next day, Klitschko, uh, Vitali Klitschko, who was at one point heavyweight boxing champion of the world, mountain of a man, 6'7", huge guy. Don't let that fool you. Klitschko has a Ph.D. and speaks five languages. Brilliant man. But he's up there presenting this compromise, and there's a young man, but Vladimir Parashuk, is sitting just, or standing close by, and he runs up on the stage and he grabs the mic out of Klitschko's hand, an act of courage in itself, right? That's him right there, and that's the moment when he said this. He said, no, no, no compromise. Our fellow citizens didn't die for this. Yanukovych leaves or we fight. If he's not gone by tomorrow morning at 10 a.m., me and my, my group of guys, we're gonna storm his residence. And the crowd went nuts. The crowd cheered and, and everybody's chanting. And, and what happened was that moment ignited a change in the country of Ukraine that still lasts to this day. That night, Yanukovych got on some helicopters and escaped the country. And the country's never been the same since. If you, if you wonder why the Ukrainians are fighting so fiercely, go back to that night. And I encourage you, if you want to find out more about it, Netflix, a great documentary on the whole revolution, it's called Winter on Fire, really worth watching, but it'll tell you why. But I love the fact that this guy, Vladimir Parasuk, 27 years old, he was an economics major. He wasn't a soldier or a political leader. He was just a normal guy who did this courageous act to ignite a movement among his people. Can I encourage us? Today, to take the charge given by Jesus, these marching orders that we call the Great Commission, can we take it personally? Can we rise and say, no, no, our Lord did not die for this. There is more to be done and we're gonna finish this. We're gonna go all the way, we're gonna finish this task. We're gonna make sure that three billion people who haven't heard get to hear. Let's not pretend that this commission was given to someone else it was given to you and it was given to me we all have a part to play you heard the project progress report we've done well but we have a ways to go Lord let it continue with me we can step it up so here's what I want us to do in the chair in front of you there's a card that looks like this if you look at, at the card, pull it out and just take a peek at it. I'm not, this isn't, don't be scared to touch the card. If you touch the card, it doesn't commit you to anything. This is for you. This is a tool for you. If you look at it, there's a line on there that says, on one end, not engage, on the other end, fully engage. What I'd like for you to do is to just think through, where am I at right now in my engagement in this thing with the, the, the Great Commission? What's what, what am I doing right now? And just put a C on the line where you think your engagement is. And then think through prayerfully. Where should I be? Where do I want to be? What else do I want to do? And, and put a D there for, for desired area. And then what we want to encourage you to do in the next few months is close that gap. And that's why those questions are there underneath. What are my next steps? By what date? Who am I going to tell? This is for you. This You're not going to hand this in. This is for you as a tool. And and in a moment we're gonna we're gonna stand we're gonna sing and i want you to maybe take some time and fill that out in fact let's let's just go ahead and stand right now all together if you're able and while while we sing this song what i want to do is this listen all of us have a responsibility we made that clear in the message this morning right that that all of us have a responsibility to engage at some level and i understand at different seasons of our lives we have different commitments and some engagement is more possible than others. I get that, but while we sing this song, if God is is speaking to you really specifically, and you know it's to you, and there's some some level of of action that God is taking, to asking you to take, and and I'm not saying moving to Vanuatu or or Timbuktu or whatever. Or, although hey, if it, if He says that, that's great. What I'm saying is. It's just specific and you know God is really speaking to you. If that's you, I want to encourage you to come forward. I'd love to pray with you at the end of this song. Let's sing.
1: time to go but before
0: so grateful that you've invited us into this great commission this great effort to let the world know of your love I pray for those who stepped up to, to the front here and I, I just pray you would anchor what you were speaking to their hearts in fact I pray for all of us Lord in this room that uh, as we go through this week that you would remind us, gently and kindly as you always do to let us know our part what what more are you calling us to what what are you actions are you calling us to take and then Lord I pray that you would give us the courage to respond in Jesus name amen if you came forward there's a packet here for you to grab it, it's just a packet that tells you what the opportunities are how you can engage and in fact if you didn't come forward you meant to
2: there's a packet for you up here god bless why don't you have a seat if you don't mind let's say thank you to norm edwards <laughs> wonderful we have uh, such an amazing missions team and pastor carrie and her leadership and i'm so grateful Just a couple things as we wrap this up today we want to we want to give we want to be a part of several projects that this year in 2023 we can be a part of and i think there's a list of some of those projects i think some some might be on the screen but it's going to take money to fund them and one of the things that always concerns a pastor and church leadership is when you talk about money and especially if you have guests present, they're like, I knew they'd talk about money if I came. And I just want to say this. At Timberline, we, we don't believe in guilt giving. Matter of fact, if you're giving out of guilt, just stop it. Because we give because we have opportunity to make a difference in the world. This is what churches exist for. It's why we're on this earth to go. And sometimes money is the only way you can go and do the things and the projects that we're talking about. But I, can I say this? Other times, money doesn't matter. You can't buy your way into relationships with certain people in the world. So we take offerings, and I'm asking you today to consider giving to missions today. And above your regular tithe and offering, there's a black box back here. You can text give. There's gonna be a banner that comes down with a window for missions for the next 30 days, and then that will come down. So just give however god puts it on your heart to give but pray about it think about it over these next few weeks and do what god puts in your heart is that fair amen how many of you know you're not the owner anyway you don't own it god does we're stewards of what he's put in our hand And if you believe that it'll change everything in your life so we have many opportunities some of you are going to be called to go Uh, our short-term missions trips are coming up with covid restrictions getting less we're able to go again and boy that's what we do as Timberliners and so I just encourage you to think about praying about going on one of these trips there's all kinds of information out there places to sign up and let's be a church that goes but mostly go where you normally go to your neighborhood to your place of work to your environment to your soccer game that's where God's calling you and some of you may end up in some other country great but most of us are going to be called to go and do whatever we can right where we already are amen so I want to pray over us and I want to ask God to just let us realize the the words that have been shared today let them sink in our heart let it continue with me those are kind of that's kind of the phrase we've been saying let it continue with me so would you stand one more time if you're able and then after I pray we're gonna say those words together to the Lord Lord we do want it to continue with us I know that you sovereignly have a plan for every person in this room under the sound of my voice, here or online and you're a God who has purpose for every personality type every leader, every dollar, every child every teenager every prime timer you know where we are And you want to spend us. And we say yes today. As a church, we say yes. In your powerful and holy names. Let it continue with me. Say it with me. Let it continue with me. One more time, just say to the Lord. Let it continue with me. (laughs) Amen. I love you guys. Go by, visit the tables. Thank you for being Timberline. Have a great weekend.